0: Good morning, if you would turn in your Bibles with me to Hebrews chapter 5, verses 11 through 14. I'm excited to continue preaching with Thad and Robert from this uh, deep and rich book of Hebrews. And as we read our text this morning, listen for the call to growth that we find there. Again, our text is Hebrews 5. 11 through 14, this is the Word of God. Oh, helps if I turn there too. Y'all are there, I'm there, here we are. Hebrews 5, 11 through 14. About this we have much to say, and it is hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have the powers of discernment, trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for this day and for this opportunity to hear your word. Would you speak to us, encourage us in Christ, give us confidence in Him, that He loves us and calls us to His grace. Speak to us now, for it's in His name we pray, amen. Now in Israel, there's two main bodies of water. You have the Sea of Galilee in the north, and the Dead Sea in the south. Now, the Sea of Galilee is named the Sea of Galilee because it's a sea in the region of Galilee. They're brilliant. Um, But it's in the region of Galilee. Now, the Sea of Galilee, I'm told, I've been there, but I'm told it is teeming with life. Lots of fish varieties, lots of things around the shore, uh, and it it provides for life, growth, and maturity of, of other things around it. But if if you were to find the exit of the Jordan River, which comes out of the Sea of Galilee, travel down it, you would run into the Dead Sea. It's named because it's dead. Nothing grows there. It does not provide for any life, nourishment, or maturity of anything else around it. Things go there and they die. Even though, now the Dead Sea is the lowest place around, All of this water is funneled into the Dead Sea, and yet, nothing grows. There is no life in the sea. And so it is with our audience. They have been poured into. They have been given much, but they're not growing. They're not maturing. There's not much growth happening in them. And our author is pointing them to, though, The growth which God gives and desires. If you look at verse 13, everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. That is, you should be growing. You should get out of childhood into adulthood. You should be maturing and growing. They should be eating meat. But the audience just isn't there. They are immature. And they're not progressing in the faith as they should. And so we see from our text that God gives the growth, which is what the author is wanting from his audience, is growth. He wants them to grow in their faith because God gives the growth. And we see that in Hebrews 13, as he ends the book with this benediction, this last word to them, in Hebrews 13, 20-21. Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything, everything good, that you may do His will, working in us that which is pleasing in His sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. You see, God is in, working, it should be working in them to cause them to grow, to mature in their faith. And it's not just the recipients of this letter, it's also us. We too are tempted, like them, to have our ears tickled. That is to listen to things that aren't true. And to be couch potatoes in the faith. To not be striving to live it out. But our text calls us to more. To see that God gives growth in our faith. And it is because God gives growth that we are challenged from this text to open our ears. We must open our ears. Now, when I was a much younger man, and I wish I were even younger to tell this story, but I was a freshman in college. We had a break in, our, in December for Christmas, and I had five weeks. It was an especially long Christmas break. So I'm like, maybe I can get a job. Well, I had a buddy who worked at the Carmike Cinema that was where TJ Maxx is now or whatever that is there, Coles, I'm not sure. But near Panera Bread at Hickson at, at the mall at Northgate. And and so I got a job there, my buddy got me a job there and I was working the cash register, I'm selling popcorn and Coke, gear, you know, for moviegoers. And even back then it, it popcorn and Coke was expensive. And so when there was downtime between movies, I started wondering how much would one of everything cost. And, you know, it's an interesting question. So I start ringing up one of everything on the cash register. But the way you do it is you have to, like, do this and hit subtotal and do this and do subtotal and do this and hit subtotal so that you're adding things in. And if you hit subtotal twice, it, like, locks in the sale and acts like it's done. Well, I'm about halfway through, and I accidentally lock it in. And I'm like, I can't do anything about this. So, like, the computers in the, man- in the manager's office know... That there's been this 100 200 I don't even know, rung up, I, you know, sale, and there's not going to be cash in the register. So I go and tell them, I'm like, I'm sorry, I just thought this would be fun to do, but I realize it's not a good idea. And so they know. <clears throat> and uh, so then the next time, I was like, I'll be careful this time. <laughs> I, won't, I, won't, I won't toll it out, we'll be fine. Well, I told it out again and had to go tell them again that I had done this thing. And they are not, this is, they were so not happy with me. I didn't do it a third time, thankfully. <laughs> I finally listened, but I didn't listen. I wasn't mature. I had dull hearing, I didn't hear the importance of what was going on. And if you look at verse 11, our audience is dull of hearing. Look, about this, we have much to say. And it is hard to explain since you have become dull. Of hearing, Now this word dull can be translated in several ways. It can be lazy, sluggish, even negligent. There's lazy, sluggish, and negligent in their hearing. It's the same word in chapter 6 verse 12 of Hebrews. So that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who... Who, through faith and patience, inherit the promises. And so they have received much, but they're not hearing. They're slow, or they're lazy, they're sluggish, they're negligent. In verse 13, we see this: for everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. It's and throughout, it's this vivid picture of this child who needs milk at the beginning of their life, but when they grow up, they will be weaned off of that milk. They will not need it anymore. They will eat solid food. And yet the audience, the author is saying, is still in its infancy. They're not growing up. They're not maturing the way they should. But it they're pointed out that they're being dull of hearing. They're being sluggish in their hearing. And so what, what, is it that, what does it mean when it says they're sluggish or lazy or negligent in their hearing? Well, what are some things that they are doing, that is, that causes them to be bad listeners, dull listeners, sluggish listeners? Well, I looked through the book of Hebrews looking for some things that may be indicators. And I found a, a few. There are probably more, but... One thing I found is that it seems as if they are isolating themselves from true community. They're isolating themselves from true community. In Hebrews 10.24, we read this. And let us consider how to stir one another up. One another. It's not just about you. It's about you and one another. To love and good works. Doing what? Not neglecting to meet together together. As is the habit of some, that is that they're they're not listening because they're not participating in the community of the church. They're not hearing God speak to them. They're not being invested in. And in three thirteen we see this. But exhort one another every day, as long as as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So that there's this sense that. As brothers and sisters exhort me, exhort them, they are going to, their hearts are going to be softened, not hardened. But as they're away from this exhortation, they're going to be hardened. So they're, they're, they're away from true community. And I think the other way is that they're having their ears tickled. They're listening to other doctrines and teachers that aren't teaching the true gospel, the one gospel that we just sang about. Some of that is a a temptation to go back to Judaism. Some of it is to believe other false things. Which is why the author tells says that he has to continually remind them of the basic principles of the faith. The basic principles of the word of righteousness. And in the next passage, which Robert will preach on next week, we see some of these elementary things. Things like repentance, faith in God, uh, and the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. They have to be continually reminded about these things. Not that those things aren't important. Tim Keller will say that they're the A to Z of the Christian faith. But being reminded about them over and over again, as if you didn't know them to begin with, can be troublesome. But being reminded of them, showing how deep they go and how How they permeate your whole life, that is what we do. That is how we should be growing and maturing. How does it permeate our whole life? Not just, oh, we can be repentant and be forgiven of our sins. Oh, and Jesus rose from the dead and we're going to be raised the last day? Like they've never heard it before. Or like they have to be convinced of it again. So they're isolating themselves from true community and they're really isolating themselves from true doctrine. From sound doctrine. And this morning, I'm going to take a risk. I want us to do a spiritual evaluation. And the question is this. How open are your ears this morning? How engaged are you with others? Are you feeding on sound doctrine and teaching? Or are your ears closed? Have you become dull or sluggish in your hearing? And so, I don't want you to tell me right now, but I want you to talk about it with your family and friends. Just talk about it. Be open and honest. It's okay. God wants to hear. God wants to know. We, We can praise God for where we hear, where our ears are open. And we can dialogue about where we feel like maybe we need to have our ears opened, where we can be less sluggish. And we can do this, not to earn brownie points with God, but because God already loves us. And because he's giving us the growth. And he wants to see us know Christ better. Now that's for if you're a Christian today. If you're not a Christian and you're here today, we're glad you're here. The the different thing is, am I at a place where I can trust in this Jesus who does offer repentance, who does offer forgiveness of sin, who does offer resurrection to make all sad things come untrue? And if that's you this morning, we would love to talk to you and hear from you. You're welcome. We have elders that will be down front. You can talk to me or Thad. We'd love to chat. But regardless, let us have our ears open this morning. But open to what? Opening to listening and trusting God's Word. That is, we must trust God's Word. Look at verse 12. For though by this time you ought to be teachers... You need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. And here we see that the oracles of God is referenced. And in Romans, this phrase is used to reference the Scriptures, especially the Old Testament. And so it is here. This is basically saying, you need someone to teach you again the basic biblical truths. Oracles of God. They're forgetting the basics of Scripture. Look at verse 13. Here, the word of righteousness is mentioned. And it's really the same reference, the Scriptures. God's Word. But here, the emphasis is on what? The outcome. That when we read God's Word, when we study it, when we learn it, it should produce what? Righteousness in us. And again, that righteousness consists of Right belief and right action. What we believe and what we do, it should be transforming us, causing us to grow. To continually practice righteousness. Even the references to milk and solid food are references, they're metaphors for God's Word, for Scripture. God's Word is the source of our growth in Christ. It is where we learn what God has said to us. And this word, this scripture, this book centers around the person and work of Jesus Christ. Believe it or not, it begins with Jesus and it ends with Jesus and He's right there in the middle. Everything points to Jesus. Because it's Jesus' death and resurrection which are the power we need for growth. And scripture it confronts us where we are. It's not afraid to point out our sins and our shortcomings. To say, you have not done well. Why? Because it has the solution as well. It has the grace and the forgiveness offered through Jesus Christ. So that we might confess and repent knowing that He loves us and will forgive us. We don't need to hide our sins. We can bring them to the light, knowing there is grace and truth to forgive us and to tell us we are loved. And to trust Christ's death and resurrection, it is enough. It prunes us and gives us the sunlight to grow more mature in Christ. And flowers and plants are another picture that are beautiful, fun to have around, smell good. Sometimes if they're tomato plants, they can provide food. However, they have to be fed in order to live. Uh, My family does not exactly have a green thumb, and we have not learned this lesson yet about plants. So, um, about the only flowers we can keep alive are the Lego flowers we have in our house. And they're doing great, I tell you. They look just as good the day we got them. Unfortunately, though, many today are starving. A recent poll that I read about says 81% of self-proclaiming Christians believe the phrase, God helps those who help themselves, is a verse from the Bible. And if that's one of you, that's okay. That's why we're here, to learn and grow. But that's not a verse from the Bible. That's a quote from Benjamin Franklin. And before that, I think it's from Aesop's fables uh, when, they, when they say that the gods will help those who help themselves. And so it's not a biblical verse. It's not true really at all. Um, but th- there is this starvation. There's not, people are not being fed solid food, and so they are not maturing. They're not growing. But hopefully, HBC is uh, our goal is not to have that happen. It, it is to feed you God's word so that you can grow. Our goal is to grow in the grace, is to feed you so that you can grow in the grace of Christ, so that you can then feed others on this journey of maturity. Now, I asked you about you, but let's talk about HBC. Are you being nourished here at this church? To understand the faith and and to live it out. It's our prayer and goal that you are. That this church is serving that function. And if that's true of you, we would love to hear from you. We would love to be encouraged about how this church has benefited you. Or, we would love to dialogue about how to better serve you. How to better feed your soul. Let us know. We would love to talk. Because we have to feed on God's Word to live. It's time, I couldn't think of a better analogy, but to put our dentures in, right? To to get ready to eat the solid food. We're moving away from milk onto solid food so that we're continually growing in our understanding of God's Word so that we can live out our faith here and now, in this world, more and more, every day. And so, if we trust God's word as a source of growth, then what? Well, then we, we must exercise. We've got to exercise our faith. When I was in Uganda, I may have told you all this story before, but bear with me. I got malaria. And um, if I were going to rate malaria, I would tell you uh, one star, do not recommend, okay? It's not fun. And at first, it was like, I'm just a little sick, but then you get a fever, I've got the chills, uh, I've got a headache, and you get dehydrated, so I'm laying in bed sick, and Brooke's finally like, I think you're sick, you might even have malaria, let's go. She takes me to the hospital, and sure enough, I have malaria, they start treating me, but it takes days to recover. And we had a nurse friend, Kim Church, who some of you are aware of, um, the VBS supported the, that's confusing because their last name is Church the church's church plant in Uganda. Uh, but Kim was an, is a nurse, and she would come over to our house, even in the middle of the night, to change out my bag to get um, IV fluid so I would stay hydrated. And so this lasted for three or four days. But the question is, I wanted to get better. I really wanted to get better. But why did I want to get better? One, I don't want to feel bad. It was it, It's not a good feeling. But... Why do I not want to feel bad? And I realized that it was because I kept thinking about, I've got got work to do. I'm called to Uganda, and I need to get to doing what I'm called to do. And so I wanted to get better so I could do what I was called to do. And so it is in this passage. There is something they're called to do, and they need to be fed. They need to exercise so that they can do what they're called to do. Look at verse 14. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Trained by constant practice. That is, that they're called, and the calling to do what? To distinguish good from evil. And that is that they would be able to distinguish right doctrine from wrong doctrine, but also right actions from wrong actions. But it's not enough to sign off and say, you know what? Murder is bad. I know that. Loving my neighbor is good. That's good. Yes, you pass the test, you, which is good, which is evil, right? We, we've passed. But it's not enough to know that. I've got to then practice the good. So to be able to discern good and evil is a way of saying you're practicing the good and not the evil. So you're, you're being over and over again, constant practice. You want to learn a new skill, like sports? I took Sam outside. And I said, Sam, here's a baseball. Catch it, right? And we're done. We're out. You know baseball now. I've shown you how to grip it, how to hold it, how to catch it. We're done. I'm walking away. No, what do we do? We get out there and over and over and over and over again. Over and over and over again. Because why? That's the only way we get better. It's the only way we get better. Which means there's gonna be what along the way? Failure. Right? There's gonna be failure along the way. And that's okay because there's grace on offer. We can confess and repent and move on. And we learn, okay, that was evil. We're not gonna do that again. Let's move on. We're constantly practicing, constantly learning to distinguish good. From evil. And so it is. We study God's Word so that we can learn to practice good and not the evil. We learn so that we can do good. So we can believe the right thing. Spurgeon said this, doctrines in the head without holiness in the life are of no service. Doctrines in the head without holiness in the life are of no service. Service. And so they're fed the solid food in order to grow, in our passage, into the grace of God. They're, they're to grow and to practice and distinguish good from evil, good doctrine, good actions, so they can believe and do. And if we look at Ephesians 2, we see something similar there. And I'm going to look at this passage a little differently. You can go home and read Ephesians 2 1 through 10 and it's a beautiful passage about the grace of God. Many people memorize Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. But I want us to think about where this passage starts, where this passage ends, and and then ask the question, how did we get there? So Ephesians 2, 1 says this, and you were dead in in the trespasses and sin in which you once walked. Okay? I skipped into two a little bit, but that's okay. You were dead in your trespasses. That's where the passage starts. Now, where does it end? For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. It ends with alive, doing the good works, which God has prepared. It starts with dead and trespasses. It ends with alive and doing good works. Now, how do we get there? What's the progress? Look at verse 5, the end says this. Well, we can, even when we were dead in our transgressions made alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved. Grace gets us to maturity. Living in that grace every day is what is needed for maturity. To eat the solid food to continually grow. But what does it mean to be mature? Some of you might be thinking If you're like me, earlier in my life, it would be perfection. I'm thinking, I need to be perfect. I don't want to mess up at all. But perfection is not what we're after. It's not what God is after. But rather what He is after is growth. Progress. Sanctification. Are you more mature today than you were one year ago? Are you more mature today than you were five years ago? Is that, are we trending towards maturity? That is what we're after. That more and more we grow in grace and it takes practice. Maturity is constant practice. And so this morning, are you growing in your understanding of doctrine and in practicing what is good? And again, the goal is not, okay, may, Okay, that means I need to be a Sunday school teacher in about three years, You know, an elder in five. That's not, that's not what we're after. What we're after is, is again, growth, but think modeling. Something everyone can do. Hebrews 6.12, again, has this modeling in it. We've read this verse earlier. Uh, but you can be imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. They're imitators, right? The, 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 those who lead them Model for them how they should live out the faith. And again, we see this in um, chapter 13, verse 7. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of the way of their life. That is, look at how they're living. That others can, you don't have to know the 75 doctrines uh, or memorize Calvin's institutes. So if you want to do that, go for it. But in that you know enough that it shows in your life. You you're maturing so that your faith is being lived out, and others can see that. And then Titus two, three, and four, we see this. This is Paul is laying out normal church stuff here in Titus two, three, and four. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, right? But they are to teach what is good and so train the young women. The women in the church have a role in in modeling this. You have a role in your home. You have a role in your neighborhood. You have a role at your work to model the faith for others so that they can be imitators of you. Again, not of your perfection, but of your growth. Of your willingness to repent. Of your willingness to confess. I was in class this week uh, in Louisville at Southern Seminary, and a Southern Baptist pastor um, who is in Anniston, Alabama, sweet man. Um, the short of it is he was t- talking about a doctrine, and it wasn't like Jesus is not God, and now I believe Jesus is God. It was very nuanced. But what he said was, is like, I now understand that this nuance a little differently. And I had to repent to my congregation. That I had been teaching them wrongly for 20 years. And it, it, it doesn't, it, it, it's not a huge doctrinal issue, but um, it, the point is, is that he was willing not to hide it, but to own it and say, Look, I've been convinced of something different in God's word, and I repent and confess of it. And it was sweet, and it was beautiful, and that's what we should be doing. That is modeling the Christian life. That is. Exercising. How can we exercise? How can we constant practice? How can we develop our understanding of doctrine and practice the good works? Well, I'm glad you asked, because that's the main task of this church, and we have uh, quite uh, quite a bit on offer. You heard a lot of announcements this morning, and I didn't. To be honest, I didn't know these announcements, so this is going to go very well. The Lord is good, but. One is Sunday school. This fall, there's actually a theology class going to be taught on the Westminster Confession of Faith. And it really is a look at the theology of giants, of spiritual giants who have come before us. And so if growing in doctrine and theology is something you want to do, come to Sunday school this fall. Dad's going to be teaching a class. It's going to be great. And then if you want to find that intimate community, small groups are on offer. That, that, where you can know and be known. It's, it's a place uh, where understanding and practice are on offer, right? Like, and so sign up in the back. Find a small group. Find one that's, that is what you're looking for. And then again, Thad and Robert are leading some journey groups. I don't know if they're open to any other people, but it's, not worth, it's worth asking. And then there's tasks. We have uh, teaching or tutoring after-school kids. We bring students from... Um, from the community, from local uh, public schools who may be behind in their learning so that they can learn and grow in that. And then we also uh, teach them about Christ and the gospel. That's a way to act. One of the ways this church does all of this. Then we have the youth ministry, the children's ministry, women's ministry, men's ministry. We have a global outreach committee that that thinks about how do we reach the world and many others. So if you'd like to explore these options, of course, sign up in the back for small groups. But otherwise, you can come talk to me or Thad or Robert or an elder because it is our heart that you would be fed here, that you would see growth and maturity in Christ here and not become dull of hearing, sluggish in your hearing because we want you to exercise and grow in your faith. And so this morning, because God gives the growth, Let us have the attitude of growth and open our ears. Let us go to the source of growth to trust God's word. And let us reach the goal of growth which is maturity by training and exercise so that we might know Christ more and more. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and grace. And thank you for your son Jesus and all that he has done. Would you, open our ears this morning, not let us become dull hearers, but to listen to Jesus who has a word of grace for us this very morning. It is in His holy and gracious name we pray. Amen.